John has frozen. Well, he has. That's why he's not mocking us. He's got. He's got a kind of. It's got a quite an interesting look he's got on his face. I'm going to. I'm going to screenshot it for him. Well, yeah, worth a screenshot for sure. Yeah. I wonder when he'll come back on. Yeah, it's gone away though. Yeah. Hmm. Hello everyone and welcome to the very 71st episode of Octothorpe, the podcast for science fiction and science fiction fandom. This episode is coming to you on the 24th of November 2022. I'm John Coxon. I'm Alison Scott. And I'm Liz Batty. We did get some letters of comment and the first one is from a man named Christopher J. Garcia. He says... Damn it, Coxon, where are the graphs? I was promised graphs. And this time, I do categorically promise that there will be graphs. Have you done them already? No. Then don't categorically promise. Categorically promise that there will be graphs. Chris also said that the Hugo ceremony is way too short. And it could definitely go longer. I think Chris may be the only person in the world who believes that. I would be interested to know if Chris's perspective is skewed from usually being a nominee. Like, if you're a nominee, do you want the experience to last longer? And if you're not a nominee, you want to get over with, get it all over with so you can find out who won Best Novel and go to the bar? No, I said No, I mean, we were finalists this year and I would I would have been entirely happy for the, for the ceremony to be noticeably shorter. Yeah, it was all right. I didn't think it was overly long. Chris also says he lives about 30 minutes for the beach but doesn't like swimming in the ocean because it has great white sharks, jellyfish and surfers. Yeah, to be fair, I am I'm going to the beach but probably not going to swim in the ocean because it's not a particularly nice ocean swimming beach and it does have jellyfish. But I will, you know, walk along the shore and paddle my feet in and so on. Anyone else got anything on Chris? He'd like to give more awards, um, best dramatic presentation audio, best game and best cat. Badger just winning a Hugo every year would be great, but I'm not sure we could just make Badger our own Hugo. Can we have a Badger badge? Can we have a Badger badge? Can we have a Badger as the best cat badge? Yeah, definitely. I'll send one to Esther. He also says space shuttles are okay. Mars rovers are much cooler. I've actually licked one. Uh, continuing the pattern of Chris having a much more interesting life than me. Uh, and he also says he's got 32 and a half megabytes of zines over the last 15 years, uh, which is quite a lot, although less than I would have guessed. I mean, is that just the text files? Because that doesn't seem like a lot of zine, right? Can't be like full issues of Journey Planet or anything. Chris, write in and clarify. I've edited Journey Planets that were bigger than that. <laughs> maybe that maybe that decimal point's in the wrong place that that would make a lot more sense because then it would be 32 and a half gigabytes and i think that might be right yeah that sounds a lot more likely yeah oh yeah that makes more sense okay we also heard from farah mendelson who said oh pemicon is the nasfic you never actually said and that is correct we should have said uh so pemicon is the nasfic thank you for pointing that out farah and uh, we can confirm that Farah was in New Orleans as a support for Karen Fishick's big. Farah is taking on the roles of communications and tourism. And possibly very helpful synergy there with all the other conventions that are happening in Birmingham. Yes. 
get some good tourist guys going and you've got the tourist guys done. This segues neatly into Raj's tweet where Raj says that they're not going to the EasterCon in Birmingham, but they are going to Satellite 8 and WorldCon. So we will see you at WorldCon, Raj. WorldCon 2024, presumably, rather yes. than WorldCon 2023. Yeah, we will definitely see you then. I probably won't be at Satellite 8, um, following a long tradition of me never quite getting to Satellite. Sorry, guys. It's a very long way from London. Oh, oh so you go to Scotland for WorldCon, but not any other con. It's complicated. Conversely, I might well be at Satellite 8, because it's quite close. Oh, yeah. Equally, I didn't know. It's not on their website yet, so um, I can't. I don't think I can join yet. Well, they were definitely taking memberships this weekend. There were several conventions at NovaCon. Foreshadowing. But speaking of Winnipeg, which we were before John segued away from it, um, I'm not sure if we mentioned the TAF race last time, but even if we did, we can mention it again because fandom needs a few good people. And by that, a few good people, I mean at least two and you do not have to be good. Um, we would like to have a TAF race. Well, the TAF administration was allowed to have a TAF race. It's going to be an east-west race to go to Pemicon 2023. Yeah, I think this is a really great opportunity because one of the things about Worldcons is that they're enormous and you as the TAF delegate probably get a bit lost in the crowd, whereas I think at NASFIC um, it's going to be a convention of exactly right size to have a really, really good time as a delegate. And um, don't just go to Winnipeg, go to other places in North America as well at somebody else's expense. Yeah, so if you're listening to this and you've always wanted to run for TAF and you are European or resident in the UK and Europe, this is your chance. Is it a flip? Um, Have we flipped the direction of races? We're doing two westbound races. Um, So we did westbound to Chicon and we are going eastbound to Glasgow rather than having an eastbound rate to conversation. I see. They're going westbound to Pemicon and then eastbound to Glasgow. I mean, Canada's very nice. So I'm thinking I might run. Haven't you won TAF already, John? Yeah, but... It's a more of a guideline than an actual rule. Yeah, you just try running and see what happens. That's my plan. I'm still waiting for Chris Garcia to launch his uh, Duff campaign, Chris for TAF 2, this time for Duff, uh, <laughs> which I think will be very good. If John did run, it would probably, you know, kindling a fanish outrage to, to get a lot of donations to whoever was running against John. Yeah, I'm basically just doing the fan fund a massive solid. I'm an altruist, Liz. Maybe not the best way of raising money for the fan funds. Yeah, and by massive solid, you mean a great, big, enormous. <laughs> there was also a tweet of comment from Peter Sullivan, who notes that Space Shuttle Enterprise is actually named after itself, because in Star Trek, the ship that Captain Kirk captains is named after the Space Shuttle Enterprise, and when they were naming the space shuttles they called one of the enterprise after the ship from star trek so it is one huge recursive loop in the great tradition of good time travel stories johnny badley wrote twice in the facebook page wants to say there's a canadian embassy did you know and in fact i did know that because it's the picture i used for my art references for that cartoon and he would like a best publisher hugo category which i think is not a bad idea to reward the publisher who put out the most interesting new exciting or republished out of print books or was in general the most interesting genre publisher doesn't locus have a best publisher category yeah but locus is about to go out of business so we should probably get on with finding a replacement for their awards right Ooh. not for podcast <laughs> apparently apparently that is too far for liz listeners because she made a very paint sound no um, obviously it would be very sad if locus was to go under <laughs> It's not for podcasts. Come on. There's um 
Isn't there like a crowdfunder or something at the moment? I just thought it was a bit harsh to kick them when they are they are down, but they're struggling. Yeah, I did have a a good point. If you give me one moment to look it up, which is oh, so the best publisher award for the Locus um, has been won. Well, for the first fifteen years of its existence, it was won by. Sorry, it's had at least three winners. <laughs> That's what we like. Tor, Tor.com and... No, so the thing is, it was Ballantyne and Ballantyne Del Rey and then Pocket slash Timescape for a while and then back to Ballantyne Del Rey and then it's been Tor or Tor St. Martins since 1988. So for longer than I've been alive. Oh, John. Sorry, if it's only won by three people and one of them has been winning for the last 33 years. Is that helpful? I don't know. I don't know if it is. So have a Best Small Press Award. Maybe. That would be good. That would be good, perhaps. I, I looked at the vast range of books on Elsewhen Press's stand at Novacon, and I was like, when do you stop being a small press then? Look at all these books. And they said, apparently we stop being a tur- small press when our turnover goes over $50 million a year. So we've got a little while to- That is... Uh- that is reasonable. Quite a lot of money. I mean, I think if we were going to take anything from the Locus Awards that we thought should go into the Hugos, I would probably pick something like the Anthology Award. Readers, write in. What award from other awards should be adopted by the Hugos? I mean, I, I do like. I do actually quite like the way that Locus splits uh, novel into multiple different novel awards. But I think just because I like novels, <laughs> I like giving them all prizes. I think if I was going to poach one, I would poach best magazine, and then I would ditch best editor short form because you could reward it all through magazine, semi prozine, frontine. You know that Mark Plummer's going to write in again, don't you? Good. I like it when Mark writes in. I secretly say things, hoping he will. Because it all comes round again. Speaking of awards that have been won by four different four different groupings. Oh, no, has it? <laughs> okay. It... So I, I can't, because I think it's changed over time. So I'm not sure it's always been magazine or anthology. I was just looking it up on the internet. But it looks like it's been Tor.com, Asimov's, FNSF and Locus. I would now. So if I was ever going to run an award... Like, for instance, say we did the Octothorpe Awards and there was a category for best podcast. I would make it very clear that Octothorpe was not eligible. Yep. Because I don't want to win an award I give. Like, yep. I have a pretty low bar for... Um, I feel like I've not got very um, rigorous standards around self-promotion. Uh, certainly nowhere near as much as some other people in British fandom. But, like, I'm not going to give myself an award. Come on, guys. Readers write in for the first annual Octothorpe's What Should the Categories Be? We are crowdsourcing these. Please also all nominate yourselves for Best Letter Hack. But obviously, if you write in, there's a good chance you're going to get a nomination for Best Letter Hack because there's not that many of you. Oh, there's literally a handful. That's loads. Put it this way, there are more people who would be eligible for Best Letter Hack than there are people who have won Best Publisher in the Locus Awards. (laughs) It would be a more vibrant award than that but would it be more vibrant than the purple color of your office john nothing could be please also write in to tell us what voting system we should use for the nomination and voting system of the octopies which we will then completely ignore and pick them by editorial whim oh i'm thinking that the number of votes for each person you print out that many slips of paper with that person's name on and you put them all in a hat and then you jiggle the hat about and you pick one at random so everyone's still got a chance of winning it's just biased in favor of the first one it's like a worse 
version of First Past the Post. I'm very proud of it. That's terrible. That's an extraordinarily terrible voting system. It's basically a raffle. If you've got people to pay to vote as well. I'm quite proud of it, given I came up with it on the fly. (laughs) Because I was trying to come up with a terrible voting system, and I feel like I've nailed it. You might have. So, yeah, on to our main subject for today, which is I went to Novacon. Did you guys have fun at Novacon, guys? I had a lovely time not being at Novacon, but I feel listeners may be more interested in your lovely time at Novacon. So maybe we should focus on that. So Novacon was back at the Buxton Palace for a second year, and we have now heard it will be back again next year for a third year. Why Buxton did it? Palace. Why did it leave the old hotel? Sorry, I forgot. Can you explain that? Uh, the old, it left the old hotel because COVID. Because they were using it as a coronavirus court. They were using it as a temporary court to catch up with the backlog. It was a Nightingale Court. Ah, uh, okay. Yes, and they couldn't host Novacon Fifty there, and I guess. That means that they're not going to go back. So when they had Nightingale Hospitals, I think everyone was like, oh, Nightingale Hospitals, they're called that because of Florence Nightingale being a famed nurse. But of course, it, it turns out that it's actually Nightingale anything. And it's because Florence Nightingale was actually a famed wartime administrator who was very good at setting up things at short notice. That's what happened to the old hotel and they moved. And having moved, they decided they liked being in the centre of a really nice town that's the right size to be in the centre of when you're at a convention. And they really liked the public areas of the hotel, which are amazing. Um, The rooms at the Buxton Palace are a kind of mixed bag. Our room this year had a double bed in it, which sounds fine until you realise that we normally have a room with, we normally sleep in a room with a super king bed inside of it, inside it. So it was kind of far more intimate than my husband and I are used to. Hello. And there was no heating. The heating didn't work. Um, There was hot water the first morning we were there and thereafter we had to basically crack the ice on the bath had there been a bath which there wasn't um so it was very cold um i quite like it cold i woke up after they fixed the heating i woke up in the middle of the night thinking i was suffering from a terrible fever but i wasn't i was just i I just wrapped up in the way that you do if you're in a hotel that has no working heating the public spaces of the buxton palace are amazing in that not only do they have quite a lot of quite nice function rooms of the right sort of space, but they have a couple of bars and also quite a lot of sofas just randomly strewn around the hotel in different places. So I quite like sitting around on sofas all weekend. So I like hotels that have lots of sofas for me to do that. Back at the Palace next year, it's a Britannia hotel. They had actually improved that last year I was worried I might die walking up or down the steps. <laughs> outside that lead from the hotel to Buxton and um, this year they've got some new lighting on them so presumably either they suddenly decided that would be a good thing to spend some maintenance money on or somebody sued one of those. So that, that is that your Novacom report in a nutshell? Last year thought I might die, this year just nearly froze to death? Novacom, the UK <laughs> second convention. <laughs> actually has on the website the uk's longest running science fiction convention which i think is a bit of a bloody cheek actually i know what they mean sort of yeah if you real squint it's kind of always run by the same people but obviously it's not the same people basically sort of if you lie so are we not are we not counting eastercon because it's in different places different people or what well it actually says the uk's longest established science fiction convention so what we are actually arguing is whether or not eastercon is established and i don't know how you define established to mean that eastercon isn't but novacon is yeah you don't it's nonsense 
Livercon was lovely. The the public areas of the hotel are so nice that it rather makes up for everything else. The rooms were not actually bad, apart from being a bit cold, which was not entirely anybody's fault. The hotel did worked extremely hard to get the heating back working again, um, and they were just very unlucky that um, they had very great difficulty getting a heating engineer in who who could sort it. And um, they were very lucky in that the total climate catastrophe that is going to destroy all of our lives um, in short order meant that it was the warmest um, mid-November weekend on record this weekend. So it wasn't as cold as all that. There are even more lovely brew pubs and little craft pubs with interesting beer and nice restaurants all within about five minute walk of the hotel than there were last year. Though I think if you want to go to one of the nicest restaurants, it is best to book before the Novacon weekend because as as they said to one person, oh, we have had a lot of large bookings for Saturday night already. And the banquet was quite good, which after last year's banquet, which was one of the worst convention banquets I'd ever been to. And I've seen a few doozies. It was pretty good this year, so that was quite nice. The food was good. It was hot. There was plenty of it. It was People were not allowed to serve themselves, that being the problem. I was in the dealer's room. The dealer's room was small but perfectly formed. It had several conventions, including Satellite, which we've already mentioned, Corflu Crack, which we have not mentioned enough yet, but which is in Belfast in the week before the Eastercon. I want to say something about Satellite, which is that if you go directly to the likely URL for the convention being satellite, uh, sorry, 8.satellitex.org.uk. Their website is there. But if you go to satellitex.org.uk, the link to it isn't. So you just have to extrapolate that it exists and go there directly. We will put a link in the show notes. Satellite had a game at the convention in the dealer's room, which consisted of throwing sperm into a bucket. And I thought this was an odd choice. Did you have to provide your own sperm? They were saying, start life, start life on Earth. Right. Okay. Now, I may just have a biology degree, but I'm not sure life on Earth actually started when someone threw some sperm into a bucket. Although there is that episode of Star Trek where it's all about that, like, galactic panspermia hypothesis or whatever. But even then, I'm not sure there was an actual bucket. Oh, before you do, I want to talk about last year's banquet. Last year's banquet was terrible. I am very glad that they fixed it this year. What was the problem last year? There was not enough food. Oh. And the food that there was wasn't amazing. And so basically, Espana went and got a kebab before our table got our turn to go up to the table. And the kebab was much better than the banquet. It it was all organised. The problem was 99% organisational. They didn't call up tables. So they called up the first table and then they forgot they were supposed to be calling up tables and everyone sat around. By the time we got there, it had all been eaten and we it was cold. And I took the day off to go to the banquet and I have to do that far enough in advance that I will never do it again. Because even if I turn up and they're like, but this year it'll be fantastic. I'm like, sure, but I got work on Monday, so I'm not going. But didn't you take the day off to have another night at the convention with your friends? Well, yeah, but all my friends will be at the banquet. So if I don't want to go to the banquet, it's a twofer of the convention will be dead and I can just go and eat a kebab on my own. I mean, to be fair, it sounds like you might have had some other takers for your kebab plan just in case. But I did see the cheesecake and it looked quite nice. And I thought, oh, cheesecake was pretty good. No, it did. It looked good. It's not a cheesecake. It was all the food was nice. But anyway, programme. Did you enjoy all of the programme you saw, Alison? So the only bits of the programme I saw were a very brief amount of the book launch with free wine. But I didn't really see any of it because I was busy trying to 
find the hotel's trolley so that I can move my stuff in because it, the hotel only has one trolley. It had been used to take wine to the book launch. And then immediately after that, I am told that there was a ZZ9 party. But when I asked people who you might have thought would know something about the ZZ9 party about it, they were like, apparently they just kind of assumed that if they put ZZ9 party on the on the main, on the program, it would happen. But we just drank the free wine that was left over from the book launch. So, so it did basically. Those were the only things I saw apart from the banquet. So I'm sorry. Uh, uh, lots of people went to the serious scientific talk, which was apparently a serious scientific talk rather than a serious scientific talk. Who gave the serious scientific talk? I can't remember. There's, there'll have been one on. That, that's why I wanted to have the programme in front of me. I would have given you things about the programme. I wonder if it's on the website. They don't put the programme on the internet. I remember this from last year. I had to take pictures of it and put them in Anonymous Claire so that everyone could have it. So basically what I'm getting from this is that ZZ9 assumed if they just sort of put a party in the programme, it would happen. But then actually they turned up. ZZ9, it's not ZZ9's fault at all. Oh, Novacom put the ZZ9 programme. I think the convention assumed that if they put... Oh, I see. Yes, there was a Saturday night quiz hosted by Satellite and that was supposed to be very good. But Alison was uh, in a bar. (laughs) No, I think Alison went to the quiz. No, 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 no. (laughs) (laughs) Was there anything else in the programme that looked good that you didn't go to? I did intend to open the readme and look at the programme. I mean, the thing about Novacon is that it's got like some very nice beer bars. So, I mean, my programme was that I went to Red Willow, the Buxton Brewery Tap, and a nice... Oh, that's what I did on Saturday night. We spent three hours in a French restaurant eating and drinking. And then by the time we got back, I could hardly move. So I just kind of sat in the lobby for a while chatting to people on some of the comfy sofas. It's quite hard to get me out of a comfy sofa and into the programme. Sorry. I I had a really good time. What you're saying is we should put comfy sofas in programme rooms. Ooh. I quite like that idea. (laughs) Ooh, I do. Or beanbags, although I can't get out of a beanbag. Couldn't get out, out of one of these sofas. There was one where I just went to stand up and went, oh, Oh no, apparently this this sofa is not constructed as I'd expected and I had to elicit somebody's help to get me out of the chair and then when next time I need to get out of the sofa they were like, No, my back will not put up with that another time. Liam Proven was there with his um partner Jana and their daughter Ada, who was extremely cute. It was quite nice to meet her in the flesh. Anything else on Novacon, guys? Any questions about Novacon? Oh, did you want to talk about masks at Novacon? About what? Masking. Wasn't any? Um, well, yeah, you had to wear a mask in programme rooms, except obviously when the programme item was a banquet or a book launch or a party, <laughs> which is, as you know, many of them. And you had to wear masks while moving around in the hotel, but not while seated in bar areas. Now, this, is, as I said earlier, is a is a hotel with maybe 32 comfortable sofas in various places. And um, so... That meant in practice that I spent almost no time wearing a mask. I also didn't notice very many people who were ill. This is the first time I've been to a convention that I haven't noticed lots of people showing signs of having viral infections. So that might bode well. (laughs) I'm not saying the word, Teddy. I haven't heard much about COVID. So either nobody caught COVID at the convention or nobody's got sick during the convention or immediately afterwards or um, I just haven't heard about it yet. And I would like to congratulate the convention committee for doing such a good job on squashing all of those COVID stories. 
No, but that's that is good. I mean, I do think so. I think this time last year we had an argument about whether or not there would be a wave in time for Novacon, uh, and I can't remember whether it ended up in the podcast or not. But I think it doesn't look like there has been really. I haven't heard. I mean, either that means I mean, like Alison says, either that means it's not coming up in the news, or it means there hasn't been one. I don't know which it is. But yeah, no, I, I haven't noticed as many ill people around as I did this time last year. Um, so anecdotally. I think Liz was right. I can't remember what I said, but I'm glad that I was right. <laughs> you basically said it was impossible to extrapolate whether or not there would be an autumn wave every year or whether or not it'd be like less predictable than that. Yeah, I was smart, wasn't I? Yeah, I mean, and beautiful, modest, all these things. Yeah, I mean, the only way I look know these things now is I look at the, the UK ONS survey and it looks like there was a little kind of blip up in September that's on the way back down again, so... Uh, did you catch COVID? I don't know. Awesome. I don't That's better than knowing so. that you did. I certainly don't. Uh, what, what day is it today? Tuesday. Might not know yet, but I'm quite boosted at the moment, so I'm probably I'm probably good. I had COVID fairly recently. Oh, yes, you, yes. I mean, I had a cold, which might or might not have been COVID quite recently, and then I got boosted. So hopefully I'm in reasonably good COVID-free shape. I wish I could pay for a booster. If I could pay for a booster, I would get boosted before every convention. Yeah, no, I think I might too. Though Stephen was really sick this time, so it would be kind of like taking several days of ill health as a kind of prepayment on, on possible more COVID. Come and get your pre-con crud. Pre-con crud. Pre-con crud. <laughs> Do you fancy guaranteeing your pre-con crud with low risk of post-con crud? Have we got the jabs for you? I'd be great at advertising. And your post-con crud might be worse but might also not be worse, so it's complicated. Octothorpe, COVID roundup. <laughs> I've done one of those for a while. Oh, one last thing. Did I say Jen Williams? Jen Williams is the guest of honour of the next Novacon, and incidentally, uh, she was the person who did the interstitial art for the fanzine The Lid, edited by Alistair Stewart and Marguerite Kenner last week. Uh, so I was like, oh, that's a coincidence. I don't know whether that was on purpose or not. But yes, and she writes fantasy and crime fiction, I understand. And Claire Briley says she's good. Yeah, friend of the podcast, Claire Briley says she's wonderful. And I discovered I actually own the first of one of her trilogies because Claire told me to buy it when it was on Kindle for 99p. So hopefully I'll read that quite soon, certainly before Novacon next year, because it gives you something. Novacon is a convention where your chances of running into the guest of honour in in the bar are very nearly 100%. So it's very useful to have read one of their books so you have something to talk to them about. Though this time, I was expecting Gareth Powell to be at the convention on his honeymoon because it had been reported that he would be. And he ended up there on his own and (laughs) had quite a long story about that. So I did have something to talk to about him about in the bar, but it wasn't necessarily the the joyous, I understand you're here on on your honeymoon that I had hoped to talk to him about. I have read some of gareth powell's books and i have read the akak macaque which was good fun nonsense i would say it is not what i'd call high concept sci-fi but it was like an enjoyable rollicking read but he also wrote a book called revelation which i did i remember quite enjoying um and i need to read more of his stuff but this goes for almost every author in british science fiction because uh, i read like two of their books very enthusiastically and then I read two of literally everyone else's books very enthusiastically. And then it takes me ages to get back to the first person again, uh, which is bad. I should do better. What was it called? The Recollection. And I gave it 
four stars. And I said I loved the antagonist and how ambiguous the morality was. And I loved some of the ideas. And I read it in 2018. I do like knowing all these things. I had dinner with Ian MacDonald on Saturday night and was very glad to be able to say everything I've read of yours is fantastic, which it is. And I don't know if every other book he's ever written is fantastic because I've only read a small proportion of them for the reasons that um, John mentions. Mostly we talked about um, walking holidays in that way that you do. He was one of the people, along with my ex, who's just had a comedy accident, who went walking the Camino with Carrie Sperring for the last several months. They, I mean, Carrie spent several months over it. Um, other people just kind of dropped in for kind of mini walks of only 100 miles or so. So is Carrie um, doing a 100 mile long walk as a guest of honour item at the 2023 Eastcom? I will ask her. Okay, thank you. Yeah, 100 mile walk with the stars on nine o'clock <laughs> on Saturday morning. Departing on the Friday morning, getting back on the Monday night. <laughs> oh, what we should do is set up a pilgrimage to... You could have pilgrimages to the NEC, right? So we set up a pilgrimage and say, plan your own walking route and all put your things and walk. We will, to, to enhance our sustainability policy for the 2023 EasterCon, we will all have people walk to the convention from different locations and blog and have a kind of discord thing about all the things they're doing on the way to the NEC. This is perfectly rational, right? They could all time the finish to be there on Thursday when I will be there stamping anyone who's walked at least 100 miles. I will stamp their walking passport and stand them a pint of beer. Right. So, um, Caroline, I'm sure you're glad to hear that that is your convention's transport (laughs) policy. uh, And I look forward to your lock next episode. Well, they were asking for sustainability, sustainability policy. Hello, Caroline. (laughs) Let's chat on Friday. Right, but does it involve everyone walks 100 miles to the whole convention? <laughs> How far is the NEC away from my house by foot? Same distance as it is by any uh, by other routes, really. I mean, probably not. There won't be much in it. Walking directions from Newcastle to the Hilton Birmingham Metropole? Uh, it's 320 kilometres. Quite a long way. Carrie walked about 800 kilometres on the Camino. I said, so you really would walk 500 miles? And she was like, oh, yes. Shall we do picks? Shall I do my pick? Because it is genre fiction, The Roaring Years, which is a collection of Peter Nichols is writing that Peter himself had always planned to do, but never quite got round to and really quite... A long time later, um, Dave Langford has lovingly put together, um, with the help of Peter's family and many of Peter's friends, and also um, friend of the podcast, Claire Brawley. And so quite a lot of it is serious writing about science fiction. Peter had the ability to look at his own writing and say, it wasn't very good until about 1970 or 71, and then it stopped being good in about 2000. So we're going to pick that central period. And I think there's a degree of self-awareness in that, which is very impressive. And so many of his longer, more thoughtful pieces about science fiction books, and also some more light-hearted writing conventions, con reports, things about science fiction fandom, all sorts of great stuff. And um, I haven't actually read all of it because I just formulated the idea that I would read it, but everything that I have read so far has been very interesting indeed. I particularly love the convention reports and the 
financial minutiae and so on, like raking over the coals of the of Conspiracy 87's sponsorship deal with New Era Publications, something which would have been very useful reading for the Discog committee, I think, before their convention, because it might have helped them make slightly different committee decisions in advance. I read a review of this book by Adam Roberts, and he really, really hates all of that stuff. So horses for courses. But I like the fact that it's a mixed collection and we get to see different facets of Peter Nichols' writing. It's a very good collection and you should all go and get it. And we'll put a link in the show notes. Um, It's available on EPUB. It's also available as a paper book. And all the profits are going to support the Science Fiction Encyclopedia, which is a good cause, even if they don't have an entry for Octothorpe, the Rotters. I mean, I wouldn't expect them to. Have an entry for Plockter. Oh, fuckers. <laughs> I see how it is. Liz, do you have a pick? It took me a bit to come up with a pick. I don't know. I seem to have, I seem to be in the middle of watching and playing things and therefore want to finish watching and or playing them before I can pick them as my pick. Although I suspect once the thing I'm watching finishes, John and I will have to have a fight about who gets it as their pick. Foreshadowing, spoilers, etc. Anyway. Ooh, what is it? Star Wars and or. Oh, it's good. Yes, it's really staggeringly good. What do I have to have, what do I have to have seen first? Nothing really. If you've, you've have a vague background knowledge of Star Wars and that there's an empire and it's maybe not great, then you're probably all right. But Rogue One would probably help. Seen Rogue One. Anyway, that is not my pick because it hasn't finished yet and it might completely uh, fuck up the landing. But speaking of things which don't fuck up the landing, I read the third Naomi Novik Scholomance book. I think I've picked all three of these as picks now. And I don't know. It's not that I... I don't feel like I love them so much that I was instantly wanting to go out and pick all of them as my picks. They've just come at convenient times. Anyway, uh, it's the third book. It is the last one of the trilogy. And I think if you remember, I wasn't super keen on the first one because I felt it was a bit too much of a kind of school story where people were falling into particular roles that they play in a school story. Yeah. And the second one is kind of about them maybe subverting that a bit in that without doing go out going too deep into spoilers instead of it being school rivalries it becomes kind of like how the the students themselves can basically unite against this school system which is uh screwing them all over and the third in the third book they are out of the school and back into kind of the real world or this is a magical world and it's kind of about how they take the kind of teamwork and cooperation and working together they had in the school and try and kind of put that into practice in this incredibly unfair, magical world that is um, outside the school. It's kind of interesting. It's very dark in places when you work out what people have been doing to maintain this system. It is essentially about a kind of corrupt system that is only maintained by the, the suffering of the few for the benefit of the many, although it's not even that many in some cases, and about like what choices they make when presented with this. I think if you really are into the kind of romance of books one and two, you probably will be a little bit disappointed because I don't think that's not a, as as big a part of this book as you might expect. But I was never super into that anyway. And it really just has those two characters there to kind of be opposites to each other as they have been all series. And you find out a lot more about why they are the opposites. They are. It's not an entirely random coincidence. Uh, I'm trying to do this without doing too many spoilers, but it's quite hard when it's the third one in a trilogy. Anyway, I liked it. I will almost certainly put this as one of my picks for Hugo Best Series and possibly for Lodestar Award as well. I'm quite excited to hear that the third one's out. Yeah, it was out like a month ago and it just popped up 
as a, oh, you might like to buy this on my Kindle and I just bought it and read it in a day. It's one of those books. What you said about them leaving and going out into an unfair magical world reminds me a little bit of Lev Grossman's The Magicians, but it sounds like this sticks the landing better than that book did. Maybe? Didn't love the second half of The Magicians, if I'm honest. I mean, what, the whole trilogy? Oh, no, I don't like the second half of the first book. Oh, I see. Very much. I, I, I thought it was a bit flimsy, I guess. I quite like where he goes with it in books two and three, but yeah. Yeah, interesting. There's some things I prefer about The Magicians. I think The Magicians kind of get that young adults figuring out what adults they're going to be. Yeah. Better. Oh, yeah, 100%. Like, 100%, I agree with that. And I think Scholomance is kind of a more more traditional, not maybe more traditional, but where it goes at the end of the trilogy is possibly a more obvious place to take it than where the magicians kind of ends up at the end of the trilogy. Okay, yeah, that, I can see that. Yeah, it's kind of a just more of a, you know, first book they're in school, second book they're figuring out how to, you know, survive the school system, and third book they're on the outside. Yeah, so so I decided not to read the second one until the third one was out because I thought I would find the cliffhanger rather irritating. Um, so I'm quite excited that the third one is out and I will probably read them now. Because I did really enjoy the first one, even though there were some things about it that really annoyed me. Ha! Huh. Okay. I am very bad at telling whether you enjoy things. Because <laughs> the way you talk about them does not portray your level of enjoyment in a way that I can... T- I would have guessed it was a 2 out of 5 for you. <laughs> I think I said, you know, I-, I think I finished my review by saying recommended for people who like this sort of thing and really who doesn't. So, you know, very entertaining books. Yes. I am going to pick another extremely timely thing. I am going to pick Star Wars The Next Generation. I'm going to pick Star Trek The Next Generation, which is quite good. It has rough spots. One notable rough spot is the entirety of series one to four. Uh, That's quite rough. Um, But once you get to the good bits, uh, it's quite good. It's got some great science fiction in it. It's got Darnock, which is uh, possibly one of the best uh, episodes of science fiction television ever made. And also Chain of Command, which is an amazing episode. And especially in season seven, has some really quite good bits. Although it does still have episodes where it's like, Worf is concerned about Klingonism and Riker is a bit horny. And you're like, yes, but we've seen this episode quite a few times now. So it'd be good if we could have a different one. The end, the last episode, is stupid. Like, it completely fluffs the ending in the tradition of all long-running, well-known genre tv shows um but because it's not really building up to that end because it is not particularly an arc driven show it doesn't matter and the penultimate episode is very good i'm glad i have watched it i have now watched all of star trek the original series which also has a terrible last episode and all of next gen and i've moved on to voyager and i'm quite enjoying voyager so far it's quite good certainly better than early next generation and early star trek and early Discovery, which are the other three Star Trek shows I've watched. I went lower decks, but that starts brilliant and stays brilliant. So unfair comparison. Have you guys seen Star Trek The Next Generation? Remind me who the captain is. French. (laughs) Sounds extremely French. Jean-Luc Picard. Yeah, I've seen some of it then. A very long time ago. Played by noted French actor Patrick Stewart doing an amazing French accent. Yeah, then I've definitely seen some of it. But it is my quest to have watched all of Star Trek, eventually. 
and it's slowly getting there. It's all still on, or no, sorry, not all of it. At least Next Gen, DS9 and Voyager are all still on Netflix, so I am taking advantage of my brother's Netflix before they clamp down on the account sharing next year. Yay. Oh, right. Are they going to do that? Yep, they've announced it. So how much of all of Star Trek have you watched now, John? Uh, I've watched all of TOS, all of TNG, like the first five episodes of Voy, um, all of Lower Decks, first three seasons of Discovery. I haven't watched Strange New Worlds, haven't watched Enterprise. I think I've seen all the movie. Picard, the animated series? I haven't seen the animated series. It's on my list, but I suspect it'll be on paramount plus rather than on netflix that was the old thought podcast and it's goodbye from me it's goodbye from me it's goodbye from me John, why is it why is it very purple in your room? I got new bulbs. Actually, no, I got new lamps. I already had the bulbs. Ooh. Do you have a sign on saying on air? I would love to. I haven't got around to that bit yet. So the Hispania not knows not to break in except with pancakes. The cats, however, hmm. well, the cats haven't managed uh, door handles yet, right? No, they have not. Because All we right. don't have we don't have like door handles. We have door knobs. They are tricky. Because they don't have thumbs. I believe once they have thumbs, you have to report them to a kind of special special secret service that deals with the cats with thumbs. Well, that's the episode art. <laughs> I don't know how you're going to do that as us all, all, all being secret cat detectives. But that is absolutely it. And I look forward to... Octothorpe's secret cat detectives. I was just going to say we want a picture of like a cat hand creeping up towards a doorknob with a thumb, preferably one of John's cats and John's doorknob. Maybe it should be all bathed in special Octothorpe purple light. It is quite good in here when it's purple. It's quite purple. It is. You did it like a professional YouTuber, whereas I look like I'm in a basement somewhere. The theme music for this episode was Fanfare for Space by Kevin MacLeod and Competech.com, used under a Creative Commons Attribution 4.0 license. This podcast will end at the beep. Beep.